Podcast. My name's Dave. I'm Rob. And I'm Richard. And this is episode three, and we're looking today at Give Police a Chance. First broadcast on the 22nd of November 1970, uh, Sunday once again at 10.35pm. Uh, also known as Love the Police, Police Public Image and Police Brutality, mm. but I've certainly generally known it as Give Police a, a chance. chance. Now, this is one that I didn't have the best memories of, but... I think with rewatching, my opinions improve, but we'll start with you, Richard, because I know you've got some stronger opinions, we might say. Mate, I don't know about stronger. I mean, it's one, and again, thanks to the ABC, it was one I saw several times, I think, growing up. Well, well let, let's just make that point. Anytime the ABC started a goodies repeat, they'd actually go back to the start. Yes, they would. And these, the, the, those first three were just always yeah, in the all, run. Always, always in the run. They were. And to be honest, it was an episode I never really had particularly fond memories of, having watched it growing up. In fairness, watching it this time, because I haven't watched it for quite some time, in fairness, look, I got more out of it watching it back now. I still don't think, really, it's a great episode. And I guess we can delve into why in a minute. But in fairness, yes, I got more out of it than I did watching it years ago. But uh, again, I, I think it was probably the filmed inserts that, that were the standout parts of it for me, I think. But anyway, first thoughts from Rob? I was more engaged with this episode than I was with Snooze last week. I, the, the, again, these early episodes, I suppose, hinge on, hinge on, the, uh, on the guest guest actor. And I thought that um, Paul Whitson-Jones, who plays, you know, the, the, is he a detective or the... Deputy Chief Commissioner or something. something. Yeah, Butcher. Yeah, yeah. I thought... The the guy from Doctor Who and the Mutants. (laughs) (laughs) And he was also actually... Sorry, just to cut quite across you. He was also in the original West End production of uh, of Oliver. Yes, he was. He was. And thanks to Wikipedia, I now know he died of appendicitis, which... Yes, actually in about 1974. Yeah, so later. That probably explains why we haven't seen him in much. Yes. Uh, no, sadly. Unless you really like the mutants. <laughs> you were giving us your... your <laughs> I was before Richard stepped away from me. Oh, all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're right, mate. Yeah, I, a better episode, mainly because of the force of it, the personality that he brings to the role. And it, it always... Even though you, you know, sort of, you know, from reading the media, the police try to uphold a certain level of niceness but there's there's a level there that they play the game um just to see police engaging in brutality <laughs> uh, is is perversely quite funny <laughs> so i i mean i enjoyed it a lot for the central performance everything that sort of goes around it uh, i'm not quite sure yeah look i i walked into this one thinking it was going to be a really a real struggle i, I don't know why my memory of it is that because watching it this time by about three minutes in i was laughing out loud and I'm, I'm not, you know, usually one that gets to be quite so, you know, like that, particularly when watching something alone in the evening. But I was genuinely guffawing, mm. as you said, Rob, at, at his antics and at the jokes and the police. I was having a great time watching it. Is it the most sophisticated comedy? No. Is it their best satirical work? No. Do they themselves have a lot of good stuff? No. No. And that was probably my issue with it. But, but, but. But for half an hour there, I was laughing 
a lot. So as a piece of comedy, it it does what it should be doing. So we'll we'll explore that, I guess, in a little bit more use. Now, we can't go anywhere without talking, as you said, Rob, about um, Paul Whitson Jones as mm. the chief. Mm. We've said in the last couple of episodes that George Baker takes the, 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 the guest star role very seriously, and it works. The gentleman last week in Snooze kind of went halfway, and it mm. didn't work. He, in, in this episode, the guest star just goes all out. He goes yes. completely over the top, completely throws himself into the physical violence, the comedy, and that, I think, works just as well as Baker did. I think it shows that you can mm. go and, and make that happen. You're right. I think if the guest actor makes a decision to go fully one way or another, then it, it the material... It, that makes the material work. If you're only half-hearted or you're not sure where you're putting the emphasis, then you're you're stuck, basically. Yeah, but uh, as you said, Richard, and I think this is perhaps the bit we're going to explore a bit, if you take the goodies out of this and just made it three random characters, would this episode actually change that much? No, because the thing I found, look, I agree, he was he was very good, Paul Whitson Jones. The, the problem... Well, the thing I found was that he tended to just control the entire episode because he's in just about every scene, with the exception of some of the second half. Because even even when they go out in the street and do the first lot of filmed inserts, he's there. He, he? He's there in that as well. And the thing I found was that really the probably ninety percent of the episode is the goodies just reacting to him. Yes. So he's either pushing one of them around, insulting one of them, hitting one of them, and then it's the others reacting. To that they don't really get a lot of time just to do stuff for themselves but is that because his performance is so big and crowds everything out or is it because that their scenes are, are not as well written well the problem not? is they don't really have any scenes where there's just the three of them okay. and i mean look, it, look it's not necessarily him because as i said i thought he was really good mm. and technically because they've actually filmed the playgirls club at this point this is their fourth that there's been four guest stars in this in the series at this point, technically. Mm. He certainly is the best of the four of them. And look, he gives a really good performance, but the problem, as I said, I found, and whether that's the writing or putting him in every scene was a mistake, because it doesn't really... I just found I really wasn't watching it for them. I was watching him. Yeah, it, it reminds me, um, across comedy over the years, you, you find these performances where a guest star, usually because they're such a big name, rather mm. than, I think, in this case, a big personality, but they do suck the, the, the performances out of the mm. others. Uh, ironically, one of the ones that comes to mind is when Graham Garden turns up for one scene in the episode of yes, Minister. Yes, Minister. And suddenly Nigel Hawthorne and Paul Eddington almost sort of fade into the background because here's Graham Garden just doing this this monologue about... Um, about, about, about security and whatever. And that was really... And, and granted, it's an awesome scene. It is, but but it's a case for guests to nominate him. The other one that comes to mind is... Peter Cook in the first episode of Black Adam. Oh, yes. Where in any scene that Peter Cook's in, even Brian Blessed sort of <laughs> yes, fades, <laughs> into, sort the of fades into the background because Peter Cook just takes it and just makes it this thing. And that, that's as an example. I mean, I mean, you know, Paul Whitson Jones, though, isn't a Graham Garden. He isn't a Peter Cook. No, but, but he is a big, he's a big, big guy. loud guy. Yeah. Um, mm. And look, you're right. He throws himself right into it. I mean, he's quite happy to push them around, rough them up do whatever but as I said the problem I found with it was you're watching him you're mm. not watching the three stars but then if the purpose of an episode of the goodies is to make you laugh does it really matter that the source of the laughter isn't the three boys it is the guest star I, I don't think it does because I, I, I found his stuff amusing but I didn't find it really pee your pants funny okay 
But you see, so while we while we talk about him as being a loud performance, and it is a loud performance, he still knows when to do a slightly subtler punchline. So there's 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 almost some moments where it's just a throwaway little line, uh, and and he, and he actually nails it quite well. So it's not just again Brian Blessed is mm. obviously on the front of our minds, but it's not a Brian Blessed <laughs> post Flash Gordon performance mm. where he's just shouting the whole time. Mm. Or even some of Stephen Fry's weaker performances in the occasion of Black Adder, where he's so busy shouting as you know Lord Milchard or whatever that you actually almost miss the gag. He does know when to tone it down and just get the gag in. And the goodies themselves make the point, and I don't think it's because of this, but that they realised quite quickly that the guest stars were quite yes. often getting the best material. So they made an actual made a point of writing the scripts that to so yes the guest star is there, but they didn't give them centre stage. Do you think, uh, you mentioning, uh, Dave, you mentioning Stephen Fry, do you think audiences, in terms of comedy, do they really, do they sort of uh, find themselves laughing harder at someone who's playing a really broader performance? Is it the loudness and the broadness of the performance that gives, that, that is more amusing than sort of a more subtle Pro- wordplay? Prob- probably for the immediacy of it. Yeah. I think something that's very big, loud and obvious probably mm. gets the immediate laugh. But if you then go away and think about it... Yeah it's probably not hugely funny on repeat performances. Which is, um, which is interesting because this is one episode of the season where the studio audience very quickly does switch in exactly what they're doing mm. and gets behind it in a way that they don't get behind some of the other episodes this season. But, I mean, that's because I think that police and police brutality is a front of mind daily daily thing that's probably yes. been covered at the time in, in the media in, in the UK. Yes, and, and as I said, whilst it's not their best satire, it's clearly a satire, yes. but, but everybody knows instantly where it's going. Yep. So if we perhaps explore a few other aspects uh, of the episode, one thing that was interesting to me is Tim actually describes himself as the boss, which, is that a fair summation of his role, or is that just... Is the, sorry, is the gag that he's sort of saying he's the boss because the other two are too scared to front up to the guy, or do they deliberately want to have sort of him as the boss? Or Well, it's interesting because there, there is a couple of newspaper clippings I've I found, and it's maybe a discussion for a later episode around, around screenings here in Australia, and some of the newspaper clippings i found actually say the team led by Tim Brooke Taylor. I suppose if you feed into the Back to the Beef Eaters, I mean, that the actual concept is it is his idea to set up the agency who does anything. Mm. And, mm. He, and he put up the money. Graham, obviously, is the enabler who makes the office and, and sets them up with all their things and Bill's just there. Bill Bill's, mm. the, Bill's the worker. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's clear just by listening to them and looking at how they're dressed that Tim is the establishment figure. Yes. I mean, you know, Bill is clearly the scruffy working-class person and Graham is the sort of middle manager gets things done. Well, he's, he's the liberal, really. Yeah, yeah. I and, think. Then, and then Tim is the conservative, conservatively dressy, the suit and the tie and all that sort of thing. So I suppose it's understandable that you would look at Tim and go, oh, well, of the three, he looks like the one who's running the show sort of thing. And, and is it fair to say that at least as far as television is concerned, Tim Brooke Taylor was the more recognisable figure at this point? So he'd done a few more things with people like Cleese. Yeah, potentially. Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Barker. He done a bit more of that sort of stuff than the others had actually mm. on screen. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah, think that's, that's probably fair. fair. I mean, that, it, look, all three of them had been broad in your mind yeah. immediately prior. It, and but... it is ironic considering that the, Tim, even though he gets a credit for the writing, has almost nothing to do with the writing at all. And it's great. <laughs> no. and, and Bill, who actually are creating the lines for the yes. show. Uh, yes. There's, there's also, however, a wonderful moment, and I don't know whether it's Natalie or not, where 
uh, Tim makes a pun and the look Graham gives him is absolutely withering. <laughs> so I don't know whether that was a deliberate visual gag on their part or Brooke Taylor actually did ablib Graham's script and got a very honest reaction. <laughs> uh, but it's, if you look for it, it's, it's actually quite priceless. Um, I've got a couple of other points, but what have you guys just got to say about the episode generally? I, look, I, as I said at the start, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I like that physical comedy. I like that sort of broader... I res- responded more to the broader comedy, I think, than, than anything else in the episode. So better than Snooze, and it stands basically because of the performance by uh, by uh, Paul Whitson Jones. Yep. Now, Richard. Well, yeah. Look, I thought look, I thought he was good. I thought the episode, as I said, it was better than I remembered it being. Again, I think the best parts of it were probably the filmed inserts. We haven't really touched on that. I I must admit, I thought they were the weaker part of this episode. So what, what about it stood out for you? Because I found that the policemen really overbearing because there's a bit where they come in and they rough them up and they tell them what they want to do and then they go outside and then the next thing is the goodies are talking about, okay, how are we, how are we going to approach this? And then the next thing is that the thing comes in through the window mm. um, and then, of course, you know, I've left my gloves and they, they start bringing out the vicar and, and Tim's mother. Which, which um, I, if we could just pause on that point because that was a note that I made. It's a really interesting use of the fact that the, the person who's with them at that point is a padre and it, it kind of flags even more so this idea of the police being a part of the establishment yeah. and they're over there yep. and the Church of England is also part of their the game. establishment and it's and over there yep. so, so that, that very and I think that's something that you wouldn't see done now at least perhaps not the same extent and you certainly wouldn't see it in Australia and I think too much of no. in the UK this idea that the police and the church are actually all part of one big establishment thing mm. and that's really nailed um, home here which I thought it actually it actually looked quite um, incongruous to me yeah. mm. so you realise that's what they were trying to do well I mean the church's absence from the majority of the lives of the people today ma- makes watching that back in 1970 even more makes it just stand out doesn't it yeah it does um, no so anyway so then they, they have another scene yet another scene with mm. him um, and then they decide, all right, we'll, we'll go out in the streets and see what it's really like. You know, and Bill does his, I'm just going to go out dressed as a member of the public um, in, his, in his boots and like short haircut and whatever. But I, I thought that was quite funny. Oh, I did. And then they get outside. And then I must, that was when it took a lift for me. Because, I mean, again, yes, look, it's the policeman. But the way it's done is quite mm. good. I mean, you have Graham you know, moving the tandem and the yes. guy eventually just painting the line over the top of him. Um, yeah, that, that was something that really stood out for me. I mean, even today, people talk about you know our speed cameras placed there because it's the safest spot or mm, because that's this, where yeah they know, they know they're going to get revenue and, um, and, and, and so that joke of you know we'll, we'll paint the yellow line whenever we can find you i think still holds up quite um, well you know and tim tim asking the policeman for the time and then eventually the policeman takes him into the shop you know smashes the clock into his face and then makes him buy it <laughs> um, um and bill again you know bill wanting down the street being told all his clothes are offensive because he's got the boots on that could kick people yes. and he's got you know the braces and then of course we're getting down at basically nothing and then of course i'm going to do you for indecent exposure <laughs> <laughs> So Which you could see happening, but it's still amusing yeah, when you get to that point. it's still amusing when it happens. So I found that quite funny. And then there was the second film sequences when they go out and they decide that, you know, love is the answer. Mm. And they go out and Graham's directing the traffic and, yeah. you know, does his magic show. No, that didn't work. That didn't work for me at all. No? No. Rob? I, I, I like the majority of the, 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 the outside broadcast stuff that they did. Yeah. I, I thought that, you know, the yellow line, as Richard was saying, was, was, was funny. And... 
the, uh, the the boys trying to get through that that that, that crossroads. You know, the, the, the stop signs are being set up to sort of hem them in. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that, that that aspect of it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm clearly alone. Yeah. Now. But what about the second set where they go out and they on the you know they do the easy rider thing on the train and where they go out and they. Um, Tim's got the cuckoo clock in the hat and Graham does he's directing the traffic and does the magic show and, well, and the only thing that stood out for me from that was I, when the cuckoo clock came out of his head oh that's where it is where yeah, it that's, comes yeah from the title that's, sequence um, yeah I suppose not not as not as good not as good perhaps no yeah. okay because then and then they get into the court scene and that was a bit I mean some of the initial stuff was really good where it's obviously all mm. fixed against them yeah but yeah, I don't know, because the resolution is, I mean, they, they sort of turn on the hearts and flowers music and, you know, beg, beg, don't, please don't send us down. And then they all have their little sing-along. But I thought, and I made a note of it, that Tim's plea in that, I think it was in that section, with Bill sort of echoing him, was the first instance of Tim really getting impassioned, giving an impassioned speech about something. Yeah. And I actually was amused by that. And yes, the court scene is very broadly played. It's almost like panto time. Mm. But I, I, and I knew where they were, you know, you know where they're going with it, but it's still amusing that this, the fix is in, this is the big stitch yeah. up. I, I, even now I'm sort of smiling about I, it. I, I, I didn't quite get what they were doing in the scene, but again, it's saved by um, Paul Whitson Jones, the judge. Because I thought he played that brilliantly in some of his aside, you know, correct, son! <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> right first time. That's yeah. right. They, 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 I thought, were very, very good. But an interesting point that I made about that plea is... Graham's playing the saxophone. Mm. Now, if this was probably anywhere later in the series, Bill would we'll be playing be the playing saxophone. Mm. Yeah, true. Which I thought was just an interesting aside um, with what's to come. Uh, but the the whole thing builds towards basically the give police a chance pun. Mm. Uh, yes. I'm not sure that's actually the best punchline for an episode. Maybe it's the only one I could think of. Maybe it is. Yeah. Uh, yes. Maybe it was so obvious that they had to go. They there. had to yeah. go there. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Uh, so look, I, I'm very happy to say, although I thought stuff in the second half was weaker, mm. I still was laughing a lot. So that, that your best of the first three, would you think? It probably is my best of the first three, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, I still think beef eaters is beef eaters. Just so I'd, I'd probably go with snow. So there you go. There you so go. There you go. <laughs> we're, we're not doing too badly. So to move into our regular segments, regular segments uh, ads, I don't think there are any this time. There's the Identity Kit one where oh, they're playing the, the, oh, the card cards. Game. Yes, yeah. that's right. yes. That was sort of entertaining. I mean, the, the second ad with the cop shop was probably better, where they're they're having the they're showing what the, the the truncheons and the handcuffs. You can have a police helmet and you can use it as a flower pot, or yes. you know they get the baby doll and sit it on there. <laughs> I actually thought that was probably the better of the two ads. The whole thing of the series being screened on a Sunday night at ten or ten thirty, it doesn't work. I don't. I can't compute that because growing up, we'd all see it at five thirty or six o'clock. For me, for me, the goodies is a kids show. Even though clearly it wasn't thought of at that no, point. They, they... So with that risque material, and we'll be looking at this, you know, in the next few weeks. It, uh, yeah, just uh, some yeah. of it doesn't work. Look, I, I've always thought of it not as a kid show, but as a family show. It's the sort of thing I can remember being at primary school yeah. and sitting there and laughing because they're doing funny voices or doing funny pratfalls um, with my dad sitting next to me laughing at probably more risque jokes and my mother occasionally walking in and going, that was quite nice. And then walking, walking out for the, for the other stuff. <laughs> but my, my thing is that 
the reason why I think of it as a kid's show is because I was the only one in the house who was watching it. My oh, parents, right. mum was either getting dinner yeah, ready or like, dad likewise, was out working. Likewise, because mum actually said she really wasn't that big a fan of it. Mm. She liked some of the other stuff that, that they did, but she really wasn't a fan of the goodies. And, and I must admit, I don't think it ever registered with dad. So, mm. oh, um, no, this is, this is very much something that it was family watching. Yeah, no, for me, okay. for me, it was pretty much always. I think I was the only one watching it. Mm. Okay. Our next regular comment is. What couldn't they get away with today? Well, there is that line. <laughs> well, I was going to say that's what they call Tony Blackburn a, a, a poor. Yeah, who's, uh, that, who's that poor? I had that figured down as well. Yes, but uh, no, you, you you couldn't say that now. You, you could look unless it was a drama and you're tackling homosexual discrimination. The, yes, yes, and there was a character who was you know. Well, otherwise, no, no. Look, I, I could see maybe something, and I think I made this point with the beef eaters. Um, something like pizza or one of the Paul Fennick type. No, yeah. comedies I could see them doing that joke because they don't really care who they trample on no but well, trample, on is, really. no, no, trample on is a good way to describe it I, um, I, you know I could I could see a similar joke being done in some of that more broad or out there comedy I really can't see oh mainstream that. I don't think you could do it in mainstream but comedy, e- no. even out there I couldn't see that word being used it's just that word just has that real old school sort of that's true. They'll, they'll find another, yeah, another um, word to... Yeah. It, it reminds me, uh, there's an episode of The West Wing, which is only about 15 years old, where a whole lot of uni students start to harass some of the staff. One of them says, oh, I don't know about you, but I think you look like a faggot. And watching that, even 15 years later, you go, mm. wow, they, they've used that word. They've gone there. Yeah, they've gone, gone there. there. And, okay. and even now, I think that, that just doesn't quite see right. So I, I agree, Richard, that you could do the joke, but I don't but think you, you, no, you no. really find another way to do it. And look, we all know language changes, and even in these politically correct times, words that we that we use in 15 years' time, people will yeah. regard them as offensive. I, I mean, how, I do, how could they have said those there, words? There is a scene in, in uh, to some others do Avam episode, which would be a, car, a few years after the goodies, where uh, Frank Spencer's dressed up as the Christmas pixie, mm. um, and he comes out and he says something like, I'm the friend of all the little boys and girls or whatever. And this kid comes back with, no, you're not. You're a... That's yeah, one of the yeah. only other... T- I do remember that joke being done. That would be, mm. as I said, that would be a few years after. Yeah, look, the 70s. What can you say about the 70s? <laughs> yeah, and now the other, the other segment that, again, would probably be done this differently this time is the um, getting naked in the park, which I don't know whether that wouldn't be done now just because it wouldn't be that big a deal. Like, yeah, maybe... Well, I, I have mean, there been marches in where women have taken their clothes off to protest something recently? Um, I've seen shows where women have been riding bikes naked for some reason. But I, I just thought, you know, this, this idea of... Well, would it be such a big deal now? If, if a woman was in a bikini or a guy was walking around in shorts? It depends what the woman in the bikini was doing, I, I think, because, and again, this is probably something we'll encounter in the coming weeks, but... Mm. There are some women in bikinis that are clearly not being used for um, PC purposes, shall we say. Yeah. Mm. So I don't, that part of it I don't know that you get away with. But probably the, the getting naked and all jumping in the, you know, having the, the skinny dip in the pond, I don't know that would be such a big deal. Now, no, I, mean, I, I think it's right. not commonplace, but I wasn't simply going, oh my God, they've gone there. Yeah. I'm going, no. yeah, okay. And the police brutality... Probably not here or the UK so much these days, although there are obviously incidents from time to time. But if you were to do a 2016 American version of this episode, it would probably hold up quite depressingly. Yes, similarly, I think. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Uh, First times. 
Well, we have our first visual reference to Tony Blackburn, I believe. Uh, yes, we do, I think. We th- I think we got a, he got a mention in Snooze, but we see him for the first time. Another one I picked up was during Graham's Little Magic Show, where the first of his visual gag of the little creature... Oh, yes, uh, yes, 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 shoulder, pet, pet which, time, whatever which, it was, um, yeah. Happens, happens many, many times from here, so we yeah. see that that coming. Uh, any any others that you guys have? No, nothing no I, there was nothing else that leapt out. That's fair enough. I did note, though, that I think this is the second and maybe the last use of their travel TV device. Uh, certainly one of them, I think, yes. It's one of the very few we actually see it, so they're still using that. Gentlemen, favourite gags? Well, I, the, I mean, I, I liked the line, uh, force of habit or habit of the force. Um, <laughs> that, 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 that sort of encapsulated what the, what the episode was really all about, I think, for me. I don't know that I really had a favourite gag in this one. Again, I'd probably have to pick something in one of the visual sequences. Mm. I'd probably go with Graham, I think, with the yellow line being painted on him. Um, yeah. I think moving the train, probably, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, look, for, for me, um, I had the policeman breaking down the door is just a very good visual gag, but I, I don't know why, but it's about, about the two-thirds of the way through his opening rant and brutality where, having been shouting and beating him all the time, he just very subtly turns around and goes, Sergeant, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's just the, it's, it's the execution of that, yeah. that, that, that casual, just, yeah, kill him, that actually had me sort of bent over double, I have to admit. So, yes. um, I, I got a lot of laughs out of this one. So, next time we will be talking about uh, one of the more controversial episodes. episodes yes. Uh, Caught in the Act. Yes, or, or the Playgirls Play Club. Uh, so, make sure you tune in for that one. And who knows, between episodes, you may just take a walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum.